Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 84, Mosque Church. Let me ask you, is opening more mosques a high Christian priority? In 1883, Albert Park Wesleyan Chapel opened on Barlowmore Road in one of the more affluent suburbs of South Manchester. Not specially beautiful, but well-built. It gets two lines in Pevenser compared with two full pages for St James, the top local Anglican church. I went to see it on what was quite a busy day for me. It was Heritage Open Weekend, September 2023 but I didn't find any Methodists there. This building is now called Didsbury Mosque. There weren't many mosques open for Heritage Day, so when I saw this one, I dived in and grasped the opportunity with both hands. Arriving early Sunday afternoon, I walked in past a guy who I took to be the security. There were plenty of people around, but I didn't seem to see many other visitors. There was a sort of reception welcome committee who were very friendly and greeted me warmly, asked if it was my first time. Now I can tell you, I am a master at the art of shaking off overly friendly church guides so I can strike out on my own with my own guidebook and look round the building in my own terms. But they made it very clear that what I was going on was a guided tour. Usually on Heritage Open Day, whatever institution operates there takes a back seat and it's the building that's allowed to speak for itself. Not here. Samira, my guide, was a 50-ish Asian lady with headscarf and loosely fitting robes type of dress. And what a guide. She was knowledgeable, helpful, and very generous with her time. She took me into the main prayer hall with the Methodist pulpit moved to one side, pews out, carpet down, and a couple of pews surviving at one end. All the pointy Gothic windows still intact. The ghost of Victorian Methodism still haunting 21st century Muslim worship. She showed me the library, impressively well stocked, She showed me the tiled washrooms and dozens of little taps and showers. It felt a bit like a gym changing room. She showed me the entrance to their mortuary. Yes, they have an on-premises undertakers. We saw the builders working on the obligatory extension. If you've been round British Moss, you'll know there's always a building programme for bigger and better. And finally, of course, the massive kitchens. It felt like a small town. Yes, they have a shop and an office and lots of classrooms. And some say they have a courtroom, although I did not see it. The tour was so thorough that after nearly an hour, I was worn out. Samira was very friendly, possibly even slightly flirtatious. I got the impression that the men might lead whatever goes on in the prayer hall, but the women really ran the show overall. Several of the women were quite striking in different ways. One was fiercely forceful confident as she thrust her hand out for me to shake. Now, I'm not a great handshaker, 
and I felt the weakish words coming out of my mouth. I thought Muslim women didn't shake hands. Then there were mother-daughter combinations, grandmother-daughter. There were very pious-looking women praying in the side room. Most of the people looked ethnically Asian or Middle Eastern, but some white English people too. Samira would have gone on all day if I'd let her. After my third, I'm going to have to leave soon, she went into wrapping up mode, which was making sure I know Islam is about peace. Muslims are peaceful people and the mosque is a place of peace. And as I finally pulled away, I was handed a booklet, Tell Me About Islam, and sent back out into the heat outside with a nicely chilled bottle of water. I go to visit a lot of religious buildings. I went to about three different churches that day. And I really thought this tour was a class act. Even though I suspect it crashed just about every guideline in the Heritage Open Day rule book. It was friendly, personal, welcoming, informative. It was two-way. I asked lots of questions and everyone was answered. Now, I don't know for certain why this mosque is so good at showing its best face to visitors and outsiders. But there is an elephant in the room that even I was not tactless enough to raise with Samira. This was the mosque where a local family of Libyan refugees produced the most notorious terrorist in this part of the world in recent times. In 2017, Salman Abedi walked into the foyer of a pop concert with thousands of girls and young women, just as it was finishing. He blew himself up and killed a score of innocent victims, many children, with hundreds injured. Was it a coincidence that he was from this mosque? Well, not according to Professor Ed Hussain who visited this mosque long after the terrorist atrocity and to his consternation found anti-Western extremist literature being distributed. His book, Among the Mosques, Journey Across Britain, was published in 2021. And this well-researched, serious book was followed by a scurrilous right-wing newspaper article saying Didsbury is a no-go area for white people, which is absurd. To summarise, this mosque has been on the receiving end of various attacks, some fairer than others. So yes, this is a mosque with a reputation to manage. The booklet they gave me was called Tell Me About Islam, and it was mainstream Muslim teaching, similar in tone to the kind of track you might pick up in an evangelical Anglican church. And I don't want to suggest that all or even most of the people in this mosque are bad people. The people I met there seemed very good. Something about their combination of piety and common sense about these women. It reminded me of the women of my brethren assembly in my mid-teens. If you ask me to guess, I would say some of them are probably slightly fanatical, whilst most of them are sane, sensible, decent people. But clearly, there are different strains of Islam and they have their tensions between the different visions of the faith, just as we do. There's another mosque less than a mile from my home 
that's also very popular and numerically successful. Like Didsbury Mosque, it used to be a non-conformist church, in this case URC. Although with each reordering and extension, there's just a little bit less of church left that's visible. One of the many clever pieces of PR at Didsbury Mosque is a display making it very clear that the Muslims in no way took over a living church. The building had long since closed its doors as a place of worship and the viable range of alternative uses for the land mostly involved demolition. So they can claim to have saved a church. The landscape is changing fast. Increasingly, the mosques appearing in northern English towns are purpose-built new builds rather than church conversions. They're not aesthetically appealing to my eyes, more functional, but often quite imposing. In 19th century England, Catholics and Jews often built low-key sort of buildings for their worship, perhaps nervous about announcing their presence after periods of persecution. My sense of mosques is that they're usually quite confident statements of we're here and this is our big bold base. They often make a strong statement on the landscape. So would you like to see more mosques? There are now over a hundred mosques in Bradford. Last week we were at Bradford Cathedral this week we meet the local bishop, Toby Howth, but he's out of town tonight. We're going to find him at the Harrogate School of Theology and Mission, which I think is an impressive organisation, based in the genteel spa town, a very different part of Yorkshire from Bradford. Toby's giving a lecture about working with Yorkshire's Muslims in 2022, and he challenges his audience quite early on about the building of mosques. So what is it that's bothering him? Does he think Bradford has too many mosques? Oh no. What Toby is concerned about is that the Muslims of Harrogate have not got a mosque. And he challenges the churches of Harrogate to think about what they can do to help address this great injustice. Hmm. Toby is the first Bishop of Bradford after reorganisation in Leeds Diocese of the Church of England. He's been in post for about a decade. Does he know much about Islam? You wouldn't want to put someone into senior church leadership in that part of the world who was winging it on this issue. He knows his stuff all right. He has a deep knowledge of Islam. We were at the same Oxford Theological College together, and I imagine that, like me, he was greatly helped by Kenneth Cragg, who in his day was Bishop of Jerusalem, a serious scholar of Arabic and Islam, who gave me my first crash course in Islam. But Toby's knowledge will have grown far beyond mine after ministering in many areas with significant Muslim populations. Toby's probably one of the top authorities on Islam amongst the Church of England bishops. I imagine many go to him for advice about dealing with Muslims. So, 
slightly puzzled, as I have to confess, by his challenge to the Christians of Harrogate to make their town a bit more receptive to its first mosque, I've looked through his videos and tweets in the public domain. He talks quite a bit about Islamophobia. He's sympathetic to Muslim sensibilities in culture wars that kick them around like a football, is how he puts it. He's clearly determined to be a good neighbour to the Muslim people of Yorkshire. He reminds me a bit of myself at 17 years of age, where at school in Oldham, where about a third of the children were Muslims, I thought the Asian peoples were often badly treated by the white students. I did not like the verbal put-downs, and I saw it as my Christian call to speak up for them. So I understand Toby's commitment to being a good neighbour to the Muslims of Yorkshire. And I support him in this. We would not want a Bishop of Bradford who was rude, boorish or unsympathetic to Muslims. But I can't help wondering whether Toby provides the full package of Christian leadership. He talks about Islamophobia in Britain, but I can't find him saying anything about Muslims persecuting Christians in many parts of the world today. He retweets all the Archbishop of Canterbury's condemnation of Israel in Gaza, but I can't find any condemnation of Muslim anti-Semitism. He's concerned about the Muslims of Harrogate having no mosque, but says nothing about Christians in Pakistan being burned out of their churches. It looks to me as though he's prioritised being a good, kind neighbour above the prophetic vocation of saying hard things. And that's not even his biggest failing. In the 2021 census, we learned that the Christian population of Bradford has shrunk from 45% to 33 since 2011. The Muslim population has grown from 24 to 30% over the same period. Bradford is in a period of rapid transition from a predominantly Christian, nominal Christian city to a mainly Muslim city. Last count, mosques was 103 and rising. Now, this is not an apocalypse because there's nothing wrong with Muslim people. There's nothing wrong with Bradford. There's nothing wrong with the strong, confident leadership of Yorkshire's Muslims as they build and grow their religious infrastructure. Islam is flying, but Christianity is shrinking. So if I were Bishop of Bradford, I would be more concerned about the number, strength and quality of churches in the region than trying to push for the next mosque. I can't help thinking that the Christians of Bradford need a cheerleader, a morale raiser, someone dedicated to building their fragile community. Yes, they need to be good neighbours to their Muslim friends, but more than anything, they need someone to help them take their own Christian ministry and mission forward. On Church Ahead, you'll always get an opinion, right or wrong, and I may be doing the Bishop of Bradford a slight disservice because I don't know all of his output. I can only go on what I found in the public domain. But what I've seen leans more towards his role as an interfaith diplomat rather than the leader of churches. 
I can see videos of him talking to churches, even celebrating one new one in Bradford. But my sense is that that is not where his energy is. If we want to follow a model of how to do both things, once again, I'm sure the imams of British Islam will provide it. I'm sure most of them are good neighbours, sympathetic to their Christian peers, whilst working night and day to build their own congregations with clear focus and little distraction. Perhaps that's why they're so successful. Come on then, Revel, give us a bishop you do admire for their stance on Islam. Okay then, top of my list would be Michael Nazar Ali. He was Anglican Bishop of Rochester for 15 years. Being himself from a partially Muslim family and having grown up in Pakistan, I suppose he has an instinctive grasp of what's at stake with all the zeal of a convert. Yes, I've always liked the way he takes the fight to Islam. Now from the Roman Catholic Church. But I think his life story gives him the perspective that differences between Christian churches are trivial compared to the difference between Christianity and Islam. Thank you for listening to episode 84. Next week, I think we'd better finish this tour of Islam with some theology.